This is episode 31 of the Soul of Sensitivity podcast. I'm your host, Anna Holden. I'm a professional intuitive and energy healer. I help highly sensitive people dig into the shadows of their soul to access their gifts, reclaim their purpose, and get intimate with their ultimate truth. This is season two, and in it, we're exploring healers, specifically how they got here, how they do their healing magic, and the beliefs they have that guide them forward. We're also taking a peek at the specific practices they have in place to keep themselves healthy. Let's face it, being a badass in a sensitive body is no joke, and the healers I interview share their strategies for staying healthy while healing the world. This is the Soul of Sensitivity. Hey everyone, it's Anna. I have now recorded this introduction three times because I feel like a dork. (laughs) So I'm just going to leave it like that. I feel like a dork because I'm trying to get, I'm trying to show a new layer of vulnerability with you today on my podcast. It's just going to be me. And I have some stories. I have some things I want to share with you today. And it makes me nervous and all of my perfectionistic tendencies are coming up right now. I'm like fiddling with this pen, which I just, I'm going to like throw it over there. There we go. and threw the pen away. <laughs> um, I want to talk about finding your inner voice, finding that voice. Maybe you call it the voice of source, the voice of spirit. You call it your inner voice, your soul. I want to talk about finding that voice, refinding it, when your life gets turned upside down, and then listening to it when shit gets hard. Okay, this is the process that I have been in for this year, basically. So let's start at the beginning. A lot of you know I had a son about two years ago. And if you listen to my interview with Jen Vertinen, which you should totally listen to her podcast. It's amazing. And you should definitely listen to my interview because it's one of the most vulnerable interviews I've ever done. But if you listen to that, you, you know, you'll hear me talk about how um, becoming a mother was this humongous ego shattering for me, which is good, right? Ego shattering is always good. It's, you know, it's kind of like type two fun. It like sucks. (laughs) It sucks when it's happening. And then later on, you're like, oh, great. Like, you know, I've become more of the person that I, that I want to be. But in the, in the moment, it's incredibly painful. Um, and I started to move out of that. And as my son continues to get older, I move out of that. And he keeps me growing and changing and growing and changing. Like right now, he's in a hitting, a hitting phase. He's almost two. You know, it's like perfectly developmentally appropriate. But he hit me in the face with keys this morning. And I had that moment where I was like, what do I do? <laughs> what, you know, what do I do here? So he keeps me learning and growing. But that was the point. Becoming a mother was the was the was my first experience with actually losing my inner voice. Now, I know that my inner voice was never lost. But I was now oriented toward a new human being, right? This little creature who needed my complete and rapt attention at almost all times. And I lost my ability to orient to myself. 
And it's been just incredibly challenging to find that again. And I apologize if you're hearing some extra noise. Of course, I think the county is like going to go and do street work and the morning I decide to uh, record with you. So I apologize if that um, starts to become too much. Um, this summer has been, was this year, but this summer has been really hard for me. And I've alluded to it. I've kind of said, oh, like things have been challenging or like, oh, like, the eclipse season was kind of rough, right? Like you've heard me say that. I want to get really real. And, and here's <laughs> here's why I haven't. I haven't gotten real with you because as um, hmm, <laughs> one of my weaknesses is perfectionism. I call myself a recovering perfectionist because I'm I'm always trying to vanquish those tendencies um, to be perfectionistic. And uh, I noticed myself, I noticed myself getting nervous about being in the public eye and feeling like a hot mess. And trying to find that line between how much of a hot mess can I publicly be and, you know, still have people who want to listen to this podcast and want to um, come and see me for my my intuitive and my healing services, right? And so the, the tendencies that have been stopping me from sharing this are those that say, it, it's this voice inside of me that says, well, if I share what's going on with me, nobody will like me, nobody will trust me, you know, blah, 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 right? Stories. So I am here to prove my stories wrong and to, to talk to you about some tricky stuff that I think we all, you know, even if this experience is not your experience, I think we all go through stuff like this from time to time. So I'm going to share with you. Ever since my husband and I had our son, things have been challenging, right? We've had less time for each other. We have, we have more help now, um, from some family, but we've had very little help. We've kind of had to, to go it alone. So we get very little time to ourselves, very little time for each other. And our relationship really started to erode. And it didn't erode in big ways, right? It didn't erode in the ways that I expected it to, but I started to notice um, this pattern of, uh, my husband had kind of a growing resentment toward me. And I would kind of try to talk to him about the resentment. And he, you know, didn't want to talk about it ever. So there was this game of the kind of this game, uncomfortable game of chase happening, and a lot of tension under the surface. There's a day in July, when it, it was just a regular day in July. Um, this resentment is right under the surface. And my husband realizes that I didn't tell him about a piece of missing gear. Okay, we, we do a lot of outdoor recreational activities. And I knew that this piece of gear was missing, but I was taking care of it. I was getting it shipped up. It was no big deal. Well, well my husband finds out it's missing. He asked me if I know it's missing. I said, yeah, I know it's missing. I'm taking care of it. Like, I'm sorry I didn't tell you about it, but, um, you know, I didn't want you to worry. It's being taken care of. Well, I don't know if you've ever been in a place where 
you have enough resentment or enough stuff going on that, you know, we all create a narrative out of our life, right? So the narrative that was going on in my husband's head was, I'm already really, you know, suspicious of what my wife um, is doing and how she's making choices. And I have all of this resentment. And his story became, she's lying to me about this little thing. Um, what could, what else could she be lying about? And he reacted really strongly. Um, I have a history um, as a highly sensitive person as being, um, being acutely, uh, conflict is acutely painful for me. Um, and, you know, my husband is not physically violent, um, but he has a temper and he, 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 you know, he yelled and I was already, I already knew I had done something wrong. You know, I was taking, trying to take care of it. And, um, I had been trying to manage some anxiety anyway, and it threw me over the edge and I had a panic attack. And then we had one of the nastiest arguments that I have ever witnessed. And what was really interesting is I was kind of coming down from the panic attack. It was the first, I realized now it wasn't the first panic attack I'd ever had, but it was um, the most severe panic attack I'd ever had. And so I was trying to, and if you've ever had a panic attack, you know, you can't think very logically, you know, pretty soon afterwards, but I was trying to navigate a really difficult conversation after having a panic attack. And mostly I was trying to explain that, you know, when, um, that, that I can't be spoken to that way, that that really doesn't work for me. And I'm happy to discuss what happened. Um, but I can't be the, um, you can be angry at me, but you can't be angry like to me, right. In, in such a, such a violent way. Um, and it was a really painful conversation. My husband said some incredibly hurtful things, um, you know, to the point where, you know, to the point where he was threatening divorce and threatening to leave me and, you know, telling me I was crazy, you know, get out of, you know, get out of my life. So I said, all right, I'm going to do that. And I, so I left my husband for four days this weekend. I, I wanted to leave for more, but we have a two-year-old. Um, and I didn't, you know, I didn't have, you know, I had friends that I could stay with. Um, and that was really hard. That was really, really painful and really difficult to come back from. And even as I'm telling this to you, there's a part of me that wants to feel ashamed because when it happened, when this happened, I remember telling my parents, I felt embarrassed. I felt embarrassed that I could get to a point with my partner where he was acting in the way that he acted to me. Like, clearly, I don't have responsibility over my partner, right? But I was embarrassed at the kind of the level of um, aggression that had come out of a relationship that I was in. So, so that I'm just naming that, like, as I tell you this, I'm like, Oh, I'm a little bit embarrassed about this. Um, Cause again, my, my perfection stories tell me I should have it all together. Right. So the end of July and into August was really, really challenging, 
we came together in after that four days in which we um, did, you know, kind of shared custody of our son. We got some support from family to watch our son and we met um, with a couple's counselor. And it was, it was actually really great because when he, the couple's counselor asked us, okay, what do we both want to get out of this? We actually both came to the same conclusion. We wanted to work on the marriage. Both of us wanted to work on it. And we actually both came saying, okay, we want to do individual and, and couples counseling and that we'll be each held accountable for that. So we entered into a period of, we were each, we've each been doing individual counseling weekly. And we, at the time, we were also doing two hours of couples counseling together, plus another hour with the couples counselor separate. So we were each in four hours of therapy a week, which let's be honest, is not really sustainable um, for those of you parents out there. I mean, even if you're not a parent, four hours of therapy a week is a little nutso. So we've, um, we've backed away from some of that and we've stuck with what's working um, and we're uh, continuing to work on what's working. And we learned some really, some really great methods. And the, the, the best thing that happened was that we started to come to an understanding of one another and we started to learn methods for understanding each other. And we started learning how to break the patterns that got us into that place in the first place. So the counseling was really helping. Um, and then in the third week of July, my son got really sick. And we ended up in the ER with him. Um, and then the next week, he was home from school, fevered. Like the, I mean, the worst sick that we'd ever seen him with. And we ended up having to really come together, having to really, really team together. Um, and that, that kind of teaming, you know, really helped bring us closer together. And that combined with the therapy work are doing, I feel like we're coming back to a much more solid foundation. So that piece has settled. What was the most tricky for me was I was experiencing through that time, the most severe anxiety that I'd had outside of my diagnosed postpartum anxiety and depression, which I've not been um, shy about sharing. Um, the therapist that I work with is a somatic experiencing practitioner as well. And she helped me, I think that, by the way, I think that somatic experiencing work is just so incredibly helpful for highly sensitive people to help understand what your nervous system is doing and why it's doing it and why as a highly sensitive person, things are happening. And so she helped me understand that I was in a period of sympathetic dysregulation. So your sympathetic nervous system is that which responds to fight or flight, basically. And so I was, it's like I was in fight or flight all the time. I developed um, an ins you know, insomnia, I had a really difficult time sleeping, I was fearful uh, a lot, I had um, it was it was a really difficult time, and my energy was very scattered. I was relying heavily on my therapist and a spiritual teacher to help me to help me navigate. Because when I experience 
too much anxiety, right? And, and energetically, when I when I look at somebody experiencing a lot of anxiety, you're not really in your body, right? Your body is kind of pinging in your spirits, uh, you know, a little outside of that. You know, the aura has kind of moved off the body because it's it's an uncomfortable place to be, and the spirit is trying to to keep itself intact. And that's what it felt like. It felt like I was trying to keep myself intact. The thing that saved me really was my work because my work requires that I be grounded. And so in my sessions, I was able to to get grounded and be there and be really present because I'm there holding space for someone else. And so that's that's really what got me through the day when I was you know, left to my own own devices and just left with my thoughts. That was a kind of a terrifying place for me to be. <laughs> um, and all of that led up to our event on September 1st, our public event, which was amazing. It went so well. And planning all of that and getting it off the ground, all of that was during that time of sympathetic dysregulation. So not only was I in a state of stress, but then I was also really excited for this event, which is just more sympathetic energy. After the event, I went into what my therapist calls a period of nervous system collapse. And what that felt like to me was a complete lack of motivation. And honestly, what it was, was depression. I understand what my nervous system was doing. My nervous system was saying, great, the relationship's okay. Your event is over. I'm out. I'm out of here. I'm done. You're not doing anything. And I entered into this period where I was literally, I would get up, take my son to daycare, do enough of a morning practice to get centered, sit down for the sessions that I gave, be fully present in the sessions, do just enough work to keep things running, and then I would go lay down. I didn't get to the point, luckily, where I canceled anything or anything like that, but I really had a difficult time motivating and I really had a hard time finding joy. And and I also just had... Again, I was disconnected from my inner voice, from my inner compass. The ways in which I had usually connected, they just weren't there anymore. And so I went through the motions. I did the practices that I knew. You know, I did my meditations. I worked my tools. And they all helped. They all helped. But but nothing was like, you know, that like magic thing, right? In my early, well, in my teens and early 20s, I, well, when I was a teenager, I had anorexia, and through anorexia, I became really depressed and accepted an antidepressant medication at the time, and it helped, and then I I was off of it for most of my life and didn't um, have an antidepressant until uh, I was postpartum and had postpartum anxiety and depression. And then I had weaned off of that last spring because I was having some pretty um, pretty bad side effects from it. I was getting really fatigued. It was, 
you know, when you're breastfeeding, there's very few choices of antidepressant medication that you can go on. And so you're just kind of like left to the devices of the side effects, right? So that's kind of where I was. And for whatever reason, like I, (laughs) here's the thing, cognitively, you know, I'm like, yeah, like antidepressant medication, like it's great. It's so great that we have it. It can be such a great ally. That's awesome. And there was this part of me that was saying, no, Anna, you have not needed this before. Why would you need it now? Let's try all the things. And so I did what I did when I was postpartum. I tried all the things. Again, I was doing the meditations. I was eating healthy. I was taking the supplements. And um, I was still completely unmotivated. And it was really starting to affect my quality of life and my family's quality of life. And I, you know, I've got big dreams. I've got things I want to do. And I was talking to my therapist about this. You know, I said, I think if I could just change some key aspects about my life, right? If I, if, you know, if my husband and I can get to a certain place in our relationship, if I can get more help around the house, if I can find more babysitters, if I could streamline this, I mean, it was like, if I, basically, if I had like communal living, except also with solitude, because I'm an introvert, then I wouldn't, I wouldn't need extra support. And she goes, yeah, yeah. You know, if we were raising children in the way that we were meant to be raising children, if we were living communally or in more community, right, in in ways that we might actually be meant to live, you know, you might not need extra support. And in the absence of all of those things that we don't have, you do have access to this. And she was not trying to convince me either, you know, either way at all. And it, and so I, I, I went to my doctor and I said, all right, I have been trying all the things and I think it's time for more support. And so we started a, a medication to, to give it a little bit more support. I struggle with depression and anxiety. And you might too. And it's okay if you do. And it's great if you don't too, but I want you to know, like, that's something that I struggle with. It's something that I have to watch for myself. And it's something that I pay attention to, pay attention to what my nervous system is doing and how much support I need. So you know that about me now. At the end of September, I had signed up months, months ago to go to the Seattle Sound Temple's uh, Level 2 Sound Healing. I'd taken the first one last November, and I was so excited. I'd signed up. As soon as I said it, I was like, yep, count me in. Here's my money. I'm going. (laughs) And, you know, I was coming from this period of, like, this really lack of motivation, and I'm looking at this, this event going like, oh, my gosh, I'm so disconnected from sound, so disconnected from vibration. Like, I'm going but I don't really know why I'm going, you know, I just, I'm just really not sure. And so I, I took some time to set my intention. And I said, you know, it, it was on a retreat, it was on retreat on Whidbey Island in Washington. I said, you know, I'm going to go, I know a couple of people who are going to be there, I'm just going to go. 
and in the beginning of the workshop, we, you know, we really set our intention. I said, I just want to be here really with an open heart, you know, really with an open heart. I, you know, packed up my bags and started driving to Whidbey Island early Friday morning. And I got to pick up one of my friends who I hadn't seen the whole year, which was really exciting. Um, and we just had this really lovely conversation as we got up there and we got up there really early, um, before m most people had got up there and we stayed at the Whidbey Institute, which I honestly didn't know existed. And it is just this beautiful, beautiful spot. And when we got there, my teachers had already set up just tables of alchemy healing bowls which if you have never experienced, please come in for a session. And in fact, my Patreon members this week, it's gonna be a little bit later this week, Patreon members, but are gonna receive um, like a little 10 minute sound bath recording. Um, and what was so lovely, you know, getting there early is that I was able to play with the bowls and I immediately found a second bowl. I had one bowl, which I love my one bowl. Um, but I, you know, would love to be able to make more sound. And so I immediately found a second bowl. And was like, oh, this is, she's mine. She's this beautiful seven inch rose palladium bowl. Oh, she harmonizes so well um, with my other bowl. It's just like, oh, it's just easy and perfect. Love it. Um, and the, the workshop was amazing. I mean, it was, what, two and a half days, and it f almost felt like a week, but I wished it was three days longer. We learned so much amazing stuff. Everyone was so beautiful and open and um, connecting. And throughout the retreat, I was, I was able to get quiet, right? I mean, we were in a lot of sound um, to the point where I can now hear harmonics and overtones everywhere like I'll be in the shower I'm like who's playing a bowl <laughs> and then it's no one's playing the bowl I'm hearing the harmonics of the shower which is just amazing so I'm experiencing he uh, you know hearing vibration on this whole new level and because of all the toning and um, theory and and healing that we did it was just incredible but I was also able to get quiet. You know, we were out on, you know, Whidbey Island on several acres. The place that I was um, spending the night, it was so quiet. Oh, even though there were many people sleeping in that house and everyone was so respectful and was so quiet. And I started to be able to check in on my, to check in with myself. And so there were some evening activities that I didn't partake in because I said, you know, do I really want to go with this? And I could I started to hear my inner voice again. It was quiet enough. My, I didn't have my computer. I didn't have my distractions. And I was able to, you know, to, to hear like, nope, go lay down. Awesome. And so I started listening to that. I was like, okay, I can hear my inner voice. I'm going to start to, to be with it. So the very first morning, I, you know, I slept in until, what, 6.30 or something, you know, which is just right for me. Went and got a cup of coffee and took my one singing bowl and went out and sat, you know, under a tree, kind of in this field out away from people. And I played my singing bowl and I, you know, did some meditation and sat with my inner voice and started asking the questions that I had been asking my teacher and my therapist and, and, and started getting some answers. 
you know, and, it, and if you've been away from your inner voice for a while, like what it really felt was like, fuck, thank you. Some goddamn answers. <laughs> you know, if you're like me, it's like, finally, you know, and I'm trying to be like reverent, you know, whatever. It's like, okay, thank you. Fuck. Finally. Okay, great. Whew. And what was really interesting about that to me is that a lot of the messages that I was getting when I was in the collapse state were, were true. They were real messages. The collapse, the depression, the collapse had a purpose for me. I didn't realize it at the time, but it was, a, it, it was on purpose. It was a way for my system to be like, what the fuck are you doing? You know, get away from all of that noise. You are not built to be there. What are you trying to do? You've been chasing shiny things all year. Um, and that was really interesting because I'd been thinking like, okay, what do I want to do with my business? I keep kind of, you know, I've talked about burnout in the past and, you know, what do I want to do? And, and it said, it gave me all this evidence. It just showed me all these pictures. You've been chasing shiny things. Everyone's been asking you for something and you just keep saying yes to all of the things. Well, fuck. Yeah, I'm saying yes to all the things because I couldn't hear you. <laughs> I, I argue with my inner voice sometimes. Um, but that was that was actually really nice because I was like, oh, okay. So this, you know, this sense that I've had about like, I'm going to not put quite so much effort into social media. I'm going to pull off of that. I mean, social media is this interesting thing, right? Because as a small business, all of the everyone says, you have to put your message out there and you have to blah, blah, blah. And you kind of do. And also, maybe you don't. You know, it's, it's uh, you know, I, I'm playing with that. And then I had this message to simplify, Anna, simplify. Whatever it is that you're doing on Monday, just do that. Whatever it is you're doing on Tuesdays, just do that. I was able to sit with the structure of my business, with the structure of my life, and really and really kind of feel into it. And that inner voice was there for that. It was, it was really, really, really nice. And so throughout the rest of the weekend, I continued to get more answers and my entire vibration started to shift. And this is something that happens, you know, when I'm, when I'm doing meditations, when I'm guiding meditations, when I'm teaching, you know, this is something that my students talk about a lot, you know, as you become more aware of yourself and your vibration and your vibration starts to shift. And so for the first time in a really long time, I felt like it was really connected to me, to my needs, to what was really there for me. And I just really honored what was there. Like there was one, the last night there, we were kind of doing a meditative dance, like a, kind of like a trance dance. And I, you know, started, I was like, oh, this would probably feel really good. So I started to dance and there was, my inner voice was like, no, get thee to bed. So I just said, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm pushing a boulder up a hill. And that's, that's been a fun thing for me to look at. You know, where do I feel like I'm in the flow? Where am I listening? Where do I feel like I'm pushing a boulder up a hill? And I'm trying to really only say yes to things that feel really in the flow. So I came away from that weekend feeling incredibly harmonized with myself. In fact, I had not felt so connected as when I came home from India in 2012, I mean, six years, I felt incredibly peaceful. People who saw me the next day were like, what Kool-Aid did you drink? Because I would like some of that. And I was able to really hold that vibration for most of the week. 
Now, <laughs> when I was back in that place of severe anxiety that, um, so back in the summer, the anxiety in that one part of my life spread to other parts. And so, you know, it kind of, so when I was not in my, like actually doing readings and work, but when I was in that kind of CEO mode with my business um, and what I was doing, it would be like, oh my God, what am I doing? What am I doing? What are you, right? The anxiety was just covering it. And so at one point I was, you know, talking to one of my, my spiritual teachers and she said, you know, I'm going to this event. I'm one of the experts at this event. I think it would be really good for you and what you are talking about. And at that point, I, I kind of just gave my power away. Now I made that decision. I made the decision to go to this event and I, you know, I was out of touch with myself at the time. So I signed up for this event and I'm not going to give too many details um, about the event, but it was a basic, it was a, it was a, um, it was a business development event that I thought was going to give me some really great information about business structure for kind of how I am as a person, right? So it's based on, based kind of on personality typing and, and how to work best um, with your type. And I was like, oh, awesome. That, you know, that sounds great. I could use some kind of structural help. So I'm going to back up a little bit at this point in the story. For those of you who know me, um, and have listened to this podcast for a while, you know, you'll know that I talk about some social justice stuff um, on here. And part of that comes from this really great mastermind that I did with Kelly Deals back in 20, let's see, 2016, I believe, about learning um, really feminist ways to run a business. The traditional ways that entrepreneurs are taught to run a business are based on inherently oppressive patriarchal structures, and these structures often use um, emotional manipulation and shaming in order to drive sales, right? And they are, you know, they're basically run on kind of a, a capitalist, a capitalistic competitive structure. And so part of, um, part of what was really awesome in that mastermind and then through um, other people that I've started following and other information that I've received is, is how to run a business based on ideas and invitations and, um, you know, really, you know, really trusting that the people who are right for you will come, will come to you, right? And, you know, and Kelly Deal says this beautifully. She talks about the female lifestyle empowerment brand. And, and this is what she names as kind of a, a problem. And, and, and this is the idea. Female lifestyle empowerment brand would say, would, would, its goal would be to empower women, right? It would be kind of selling empowerment or business development or something. Um, it can use terms is like you're going to be a lady boss or a girl boss or you're going to um you know whatever it's like you know girl power for you know for women not to mention those terms are actually inherently oppressive because when we say things like you know hashtag lady boss if we're having to um 
specify that we're a lady and a boss, then we are implying that bosses can't be ladies. So it's just something to put out there. Um, and the problem with the with selling empowerment to women is that then these these sales systems are often based on the same patriarchal structures that actually are inherently oppressive to women, and they're empowering with women within an oppressive system. So they're actually not changing anything except that more women are participating in uh, the oppression. And I'm and I'm seeing women. I'm using kind of the the sexist paradigm here, but um, this also um, is applicable to to race and gender oppression as well. So you know, part of what I learned was kind of to have my eyes out for that. And when I said yes to this event, and granted, I went home from my teacher's office and I looked at the event. And I signed up for it. Um, you know, I had kind of had my eyes out for for, for that. After the uh, Seattle Sound Temple healing, I was really in my power. I was really in my space, and so I showed up at this event. And, you know, got it kind of a taste of the energy. And I, I actually love, you know, the woman who runs this. I love some of the people who are involved. And I, it, it immediately became kind of another sales structure. I realized that the, actually the purpose of having us there was to sell us another thing. Um, so I paid a lot of money for an event that inherently was aimed at selling us more things. And I just, that was, that was difficult for me. That was really difficult for me. And what was interesting is I was kind of sitting in meditation the day before the event and the week before the event. I was, you know, looking at the event and I was like, this is this is not for me. I signed up at a time when I thought it was and it's not for me. And my mind immediately stepped in and my mind said, well, you spent all this money and you really should give it a chance. And if you're not giving it a chance, then your ego's just in the way and you're just in resistance and like, blah, 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 blah. And like, right? Like, you know how that happens. And so that's what happened. And so I said, okay, I'm going to go to this event. I'm going to go with an open mind. I'm going to be there with a friend. We can support each other. And I was cringing so much of the time. I'm not going to get in the specifics here because I don't want to like, you know, I don't want to bad mouth anyone or it, this event just was not for me. It was not for me. And that's, you know, really, so what I want to say about that is when you find your inner voice, can you listen to it? right? Even in the face of a bunch of evidence, right? So the evidence that I had was like, well, I had paid for this and there's probably something useful and there's probably, you know, blah, 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 blah. My inner voice was saying, oh, hells no, this is not for you. And you know what happened? I came off of that event. I didn't go to everything. You know, I bowed out when I could and my vibration sucked after that. I was prickly. I would, my anxiety was high you know, it was, it was the energy, energetic vibrations of what I'd been uh, trying to get rid of, you know, that I'd been trying to get out of. And so it was, it was disappointing. And I had to really be careful to not beat myself up about it. I got really angry. I got angry at myself. I got angry at others because that's easier, right? So I, you know, and I just let myself get really, really angry and this morning, I was finally able to sit down and have my practice. 
having my personal practice, by the way, is tricky on the weekends. My two-year-old is what, you know, really nice people would call spirited. (laughs) So, you know, it's it's just tricky to have a a personal practice with a really spirited toddler. Um, So I was finally able to sit down this morning to my personal practice and... Sorry, I paused there because I was thinking about, you know, the other thing that happened this weekend was that Kavanaugh was confirmed. It was a hard weekend all around, folks. And, you know, the thing that I will say about that is that, you know, no matter what you think about that, no matter where your politics are, what your viewpoint is, it's kind of a day for women to really not feel heard, right? So anyway, as I sat down in my personal practice today, I so my personal practice right now consists of a lot of sound. What I found, particularly after the sound healing workshop, was that sound is the quickest way for me to get back to myself. Um, it's as if I can hear the vibration I need to be at, and it takes me a while to tune up to it. You know, it's, it's as if I'm, a, uh, you know, I'm using my bowls as a tuning fork, my bowls and my voice as a tuning fork to kind of get up to that. But where I started, actually, I wanted to kind of tune into the collective consciousness and um, tap into where women were at um, today. And I, I know that sounds a little strange, but you know, I'm a strange person, and. I tapped into that, and the song that came out was, oh, angry, angry and sad. There's There was wails that came out of me. I was wailing and screaming with my bowls, um, and the bowls were kind of pitching in, you know, in, a, in a weird way, and then eventually that wailing gave way to... Um, to, to kind of, to this sense, almost of an anthem, almost of like a, uh, what, what felt like an anthem, you know, when, you, when you're pulled together and you have kind of a single mission, right, you have an anthem, that's kind of what the, the song was like. And then that died away, and I realized it was time for me to get into to my practice. And, um, and it was so interesting. I was so off. I was so off vibrationally, but I, you know, I just listened to the sound and allowed myself to tune up and I realized my inner voice isn't gone. It got covered up. It got covered up and I kind of got off, off pitch, off vibration. It's I'm there again. It's going to take me a little bit of time to sort out all the information um, that I learned because not all of it was, you know, bad information. So I'm going to have to sort out, you know, what's next. And one of the things that's that's kind of on my my plate right now, in fact, if I glance over at my phone, it's sitting right there, is this question, you know, being being asked to 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 host another event in in a capacity in which I don't want to. And my inner voice is really clear on this. My inner voice is no. And my and you know, my mind is in such protest to that. My it, my mind is going, yeah, but you would love to hang out with this person and like the event would feel great and like blah, 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 blah. My inner voice is saying, no. I'm in a practice right now of listening to what my inner voice says because I know that the more I listen to my inner voice, the stronger that it gets 
And as I'm coming out of this time of, you know, not being in alignment with my inner voice or just not being able to hear it, you know, I really need to listen to it now in order to keep it strong. So I'm probably going to be saying no, which brings up, you know, some feelings for me, but it's, I know it's the, the right decision. So I'm getting back on track. Getting back on track after a difficult summer, after depression, um, coming back out of that. And, and here's what I'm doing. I'm getting back to a daily practice. And my daily practice is at a different time, depending on the day. And you know why? Because I'm a mom and I run a business and I don't, and I need a lot of sleep. So I'm, I'm not the mom who gets up at five o'clock before my toddler you know, gets up at 5.45. No, I don't, I don't do that. It's great if you do that. I need every extra minute of sleep that I can get. And then I'm dreaming big and creating small doable steps to move forward. So I'm starting to really daydream about what I want my life, you know, my family life, my home life, and my business life to feel like and to maybe look like. And then I'm suggesting steps forward to my inner voice and I'm checking in with every step so that I don't get pulled off in directions that are not in alignment with me. And so that I can hopefully um, avoid another storm like the one that I've been in the last couple of years and then particularly the last six months. Thank you for listening to this story today. I would really love to know, you know, what you think about this. Like I said, this is this is scary for me to say, like, hey, like, you should listen to me. And also sometimes I'm a mess. Um, but I also think it's human. So I would love for you to write to me. You can write to me at Anna at sensitivityuncensored.com. If you like this podcast and you take a minute to review it, it does a lot to get it in front of more ears. And if you'd like to support it, you can um, do that through writing a review or you can find me on Patreon. You can also get readings and sound healings from me. And in fact, all of my intuitive clairvoyant readings will now include sound healing because I don't know if y'all saw my like one post on social media in the last couple of weeks, but fuck does it work? You can see the tension lines in my face melted away in my healing session. And those are the results that I'm working uh, to give you. So if you're interested in deep vibrational healing along with clairvoyant insight, hey, you know, have I got sessions for you? So I would really love to see you in my office as well. I hope you have a great week, y'all. I'll talk to you in a couple weeks. Bye-bye. Thanks again for listening to The Soul of Sensitivity. Show notes and links from today's episode can be found at www.sensitivityuncensored.com. If you would like to read more about high sensitivity or intuition, sign up for my mailing list, book an intuitive reading with me, or learn more about my membership group, The Refuge for Sacred Rebellion, please visit my website. Again, it's www.sensitivityuncensored.com.